Greetings, 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 everyone, and welcome back to your chosen podcast, The Africanist. I am your host, Bamba, and today we have a special episode on the current civil unrest in Senegal. As you may know, since March 3rd, 2021, Senegal has been experiencing an unprecedented unrest. Following the arrest of opposition leader Usman Sonko on disorderly conduct charges and called for insurrection. To talk about all of this, I welcome two special guests. The first one is Dr. Maram Gay. Dr. Maram Gay is Associate Professor of African and African Diaspora Literatures at East Carolina University. Her research interests include gender, language, and verbal art. My second guest is Dr. Umar Ba. Dr. Umar Ba is Assistant Professor of International Relations at Morehouse College. His research interests focus on international relations, international criminal justice, and post-colonial theory. Before I give the floor to my guests, I would like to provide you with a brief context of Senegalese political history for the last 20 years. In the year 2000, Abdoulaye Wad became president of Senegal after 26 years in the opposition. When he came to power, he promised to do a maximum of two terms. But before the end of his second term, Wad tried to change the constitution so as to make it possible for him to not only run for a third term, but also to win a presidential election with only 25% of the votes. However, Wad was met with a ferocious opposition led mostly by the Yanomar movement. This resulted in the event of June 23, 2011, during which several people lost their lives. Faced with the determination of the street, President Ward finally gave up the idea of changing the constitution. However, following the approval of the constitutional court, Ward ran for a third term and lost by a landslide to his former prime minister, Macky Sall, and peacefully transferred the power. Thus, Macky Sall became president in 2012. He came to power with a very ambitious program called Yonu Yokute, which we can roughly translate as the path to progress. This program was centered on five points. Number one, ending social justice. Number two, strengthening the foundations of the Senegalese economy. Number three, reaching a level of productivity that can guarantee development. Number four, becoming a model of an efficient democracy. And finally, number five, ensuring peace, safety, political stability, and work towards the formation of African unity. But after almost nine years in power, President Saul has not fully kept his campaign promises. Although his government engaged in major public infrastructure projects, Cases of misappropriation of funds signaled by supervisory and control entities such as the Coup d'Etat or OFNAC 
have significantly increased. His own brother was accused of shady dealings around Senegalese oil contracts. Macky Sall imprisoned several activists and political opponents, including the former mayor of Dakar, Khalifa Sall, Karim Wad, son of former President Abdullah Wad, Hassan Jouf, a political activist accused of being a terrorist by the government, Guy Marius Sanya, Abdul Karim Gay, and many others. While much of this was happening, a civil servant named Usman Sonko started denouncing the exactions of the Saul government. He formed an opposition party named Pastef Le Patriot and quickly rose to prominence. He came out third of the presidential election in 2019 and became Makisal's most popular and vocal opponent. Now, last month, Sonko was accused of rape by a young lady named Ajisar. Ajisar is 20 years old and also worked as a masseuse at a massage parlor in Dakar. However, much of the evidence that have come out so far, including the medical expertise, the testimonies of the owner of the massage parlor, the core masseuse who was working with her on that day, and the leaked police report seemed to indicate that there was no rape and that the accusation was part of a poorly laid out conspiracy to ruin the image of Usman Sonko. Now on Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021, Sonko was arrested while he was on his way to respond to a citation to appear in court. He was arrested not for the rape allegations, but for disorderly conduct and calls for insurrection. Subsequently, riots erupted all over the country and protesters demanding the liberation of Osman Sonko and the resignation of Makisal. Now, here are some of the latest developments as of Sunday, March 7, 2021. Number one, opposition parties and the civil society, including Yanamar, have called for three days of peaceful protest and civil disobedience. That starts on Monday, March 8. Number two, army tanks and trucks are moving into the capital city, probably to help restore order. Number three, on the morning of March 7, 2021, police captain Omar Toure, who was one of the lead investigators of the rape allegation, resigned saying that he's being followed by elements of the National Intelligence Division, also known as Direction Nationale du Renseignement Sénégalais. In his Facebook post that went viral since then, he said that his phone has been wiretapped by the government and that his life is in danger. Number four, the Yanomar movement just released a statement on social media saying that the spokesperson, Alusane is being hunted by the police. Number five, Usman Sonko will be presented before a judge tomorrow, Monday, March 8th, 2021, 
and many people fear that things might get worse. In addition to these recent developments, the signals of two major TV stations, Walfajiri and Sen TV, had been cut off for days. On top of that, the government slowed down internet access in Senegal. Although the situation seemed to have come down over the weekend, many people fear that the uprising will resume during the week as Osman Sonko will be presented before a judge on Monday, March 8, 2021. And of course, there are more details that we will talk about in probably upcoming episodes. But that is a general situation in Senegal right now. Now, I turn to my guests, Maram and Omar. What is happening in Senegal and how did we get here? Maram. Um, I think what happened in Senegal should not be taken separately from uh, some of the things that you talked about in your introduction in terms of the political um, climate in Senegal and how young people have been frustrated for a long time and how actually young people are the ones who fought for Macky Sall to be elected. Let's not forget that too. And uh, I think that when Usman Sonko came and Macky Sall did not deliver on many of the promises that he made during his campaign, young people had lost hope in finding literally a, a home in Senegal and Usman Sonko gave them hope because when they look to the horizon, what they see is the elite Senegalese who are mostly members of Macky Sall's government or his elite um, in their lavish lifestyles. And these young people are chronically unemployed. There really isn't in their horizon something that they can see that will give them hope. So they rallied behind Usman Sonko um, who had a rhetoric of truthfulness, transparency, and Senegal-centered. Like he is representing the people of Senegal. And if we look at how he came to power, uh, how, to, how he came into the political scene, he literally was denouncing um, the, the state, its abuses as, as far as, um, as fiscality is concerned money management and all of that. So we need to contextualize that. We also need to contextualize the pandemic and its effects in, on the people. And um, in February, when Adisa Masous accused Usman Sonko of raping her, uh, Usman Sonko was asked to appear uh, in front of the justice and he refused to go because let's not forget that also he is a member of parliament and he has humility. And um, he's, um, because Macky Sall is, his regime is notorious for eliminating opponents. Um, as you have said in Karim Wad, uh, Halifa Sall and others, including members uh, of, uh, of uh, civil organizations. Right away, Usman Sonko and his and his supporters said that he was being framed, and the alleged rape did not exist, and that the woman is being manipulated by Macky Sall's government in order to eliminate Usman Sonko. And uh, I think that 
we need to pause here and see that what is happening in these recent days is literally putting the rape allegation on the side and taking it very lightly, which has been literally a tradition in Senegal where rape was not taken seriously to the point that it was just a misdemeanor. It was not a crime until last year when uh, women literally worked to make it into a crime that is now worthy of 10 years of imprisonment. So regardless of whether this woman is being used or not, I think rape allegations need to be taken seriously and need to be investigated. But the bottom line from my perspective is that women's bodies are being used as a political arena where men fight their political fight. Whether Ajisa is being manipulated or if she's a real victim of rape, now rape is being rape is being weaponized, politically weaponized. Thank you, Maram, for that response. Omar, who is Usman Sonko? And why has his arrest caused such disruption in the country? Um, thanks, Bamba, for inviting me. It's great to share this space uh, with uh, Maram. Usman Sonko is um, relatively a young man in Senegalese politics. Um, he's in his mid-40s. So that says a lot about Senegalese political class. And uh, he's a relatively newcomer as well. Um, he's currently a member of the parliament, uh, his party having won a seat during the last legislative elections. During the last presidential elections, uh, he came third uh, with 15% of the votes. Um, he's very popular among the young urban educated population and also in his uh, native region of uh, Casamance. He was a civil servant um, and um, having uh, um, unveiled some uh, corruption scandals within the administration. He was ostracized and uh, fired from the administration, later created his political party. And uh, his uh, platform has been mostly about um, anti-corruption struggle, but also he has uh, what could be described as economic nationalism, um, mm -hmm. anti-French uh, economic interests and ties uh, with uh, Senegal. So his popularity does explain why there's been um, some uh, protest um, since uh, the allegations were made against him uh, about uh, a month ago. Now, I do agree um, with the Maram in the sense that um, this regime, Makisal's regime, and also the past regimes as well, have long history of um, targeting political opposition, um, weakening them, putting them in prison um, sometimes. So that's been part of Senegalese political history. But where I disagree with a lot of my Senegalese friends here is that so far I have not seen any evidence that um, Sonko's arrest or Sonko's um, being called to come and answer questions about these allegations. I haven't seen any evidence that this is a, an unfair process against him or that he's been unlawfully detained. For the simple reason that um, I would want to live in a country where any allegation of rape gets investigated. Mm -hmm. 
And so far, this is merely an investigation. Sonko is not uh, uh, jailed for having raped anybody. He's not mm-hmm. found guilty. This mm-hmm. is still an investigation process, which is warranted because I do believe that the laws apply to everybody, including opposition leaders. And if we care about Eta de Droit, if we care about fairness of law, we would want that anyone who is accused of having committed a crime gets his day in court. And if he goes and answers the questions that are being asked of him, then the prosecutor will whether have enough evidence to pursue the case or he will have a non-lier and then the case will be closed. But in any case, there are a lot of things that we do not know about what happened in that salon de massage. And the only way to know what happened is if there is an investigation. And Bob Sonko and the government owes us as Senegalese people that investigation. That's, that's been my position in, on this. You said that a uh, lot of, we do not know uh, what happened in the uh, massage parlor and, and you were right on that. But what do we do of the testimony of the core masseuse who said, because um, we've, many of us have read the leaked police report. And like I said earlier in my introduction, the lead investigator who actually is being accused of leaking the report resigned today, which is for many people a red flag. The Cormosus said that there could not be any rape because the house was full of people. The co-owner of the massage parlor was in there with his kids. So there were two people or three people in the room. And to that, we should add also the medical expertise that said that there was no intercourse, allegedly, for 16 hours prior to Ajisar coming to the hospital. What do we do of all of that? I find it actually very problematic that we believe the co- the owner of the massage parlor, but we don't believe Ajisar. So the same way that we are saying that Ajisa is being manipulated, what tells us that the co-owner herself is not being manipulated by the other camp? That's one thing. And this idea that there were so many people in the room, there were so many people in the house, she, she, she alleged that she has been raped repeatedly. How come she did not say anything the first time? That's actually undermining the power relation between rapist and their victims. We're just alleging here. So I'm not saying that Usman Sonko is guilty or not, but what I'm saying is that this um, idea that she should have, could have said something or she should have screamed really undermines the power relationship between a rapist and its victim. So if Agisar is being raped in that house, it doesn't matter whether there are people or not. There are thousands of women that are raped daily in homes where there are people, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think that we need to pay attention to that. And um, with the, the PV and then the medical expertise, all those things are not coming from official places, from what I have seen. They're not coming from official places where the medical um, examiner has openly come for a press conference and said that I am the official 
medical expert here and this is what I'm saying. So I think all of these actually, we're all having speculations, we're all reading things, but nothing, nothing is really clear as clear evidence that's validated. And I agree with Omar that this is an investigation that needs to take its course. Whether the medical um, uh, experts have come up and said that there are, has not been any rape or any intercourse uh, for Ajisa in the last 16 hours, we know we all know how the Senegalese medical system works. We, um, the 16 hours could be, we don't even know when exactly the rape happened per what Ajisa has said and when it happened the night before. And then we were talking about a time when we had a, there was a curfew in Senegal. So there are all kinds of things that are in, 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 that come into effect that we need to consider. And going back to the owner of the, the, the salon, how can we believe her when she has this shady salon that really should not be giving these kind of massages and where there's so much suggestive languages about the kind of massage they give, that is all about literally that have all these sexual tones to the kind of massage that she gives. Yet she said that her salon is actually a beauty salon. So how can we believe her and not believe Ajisa? So if I, if I may, um, I, I totally agree with with the madam on this. Um, what we know here is that there's been a lot of um, leaked information. There's some bits of information here and there, and people have been trying to use whatever they can to advance their own theories about what happened. Um, so I don't want to get much into the details about what happened there. I do not know. And I'm actually very skeptical about a lot of the discourse and the debates surrounding this issue. I prefer to focus on what we know and what is expected in situations like this. We know for a fact, because Sonko himself has said it, he has been to that salon many times because he has medical issues, he has back problems, and he is a customer of that place. We know that him and Ajisar have, they do know one another, and that Ajisar has performed a massage on him. Now, the lady says that she was raped. Sonko says that this is a political cabal, that he's being framed, that there's Nothing true about this. Even if I were to give Sonko the benefit of the doubt, what I'm coming from here is this. Sonko is a member of the parliament. He is literally paid a salary from the, our money. He's housed by us. He's driving a car that we paid for him. He's using fuel on that car that we paid for him. And he wants to be president of Senegal. Therefore, he owes us to answer questions. At this point, that's where we are. Can he or not answer questions? Now, once he does answer those questions, Everybody's paying attention. He's a very popular. He has a very broad support. He has people who will literally fight for him, for his freedom. He should not fear that. Go, answer the questions. If he goes to trial, the trial will be public. He has the best lawyers in Senegal. 
let the prosecutor prove that he's guilty. He doesn't even have to prove that he's innocent. It is up to the prosecutor that prove that he's guilty. So let it run its course. If he was a framed, then we will know and then we'll go after those who framed him. But until we get there, Sonko owes us to go and answer questions. And at this stage, that's where we are. And I think he owes us that. Yes, he owes us responses. And in that context, last Wednesday, he was on his way to respond to the judge to bring clarification to these allegations. And on his way there, we all saw it. It was live on Facebook, live on TV. He was stopped by the police in order to take a different route, something we've never seen before in Senegal. Because yes, if justice summons you, you must go respond. But we've never seen a case like this in which the state tells you which way to go. And him refusing to follow the route that the police indicated resulted in, in his arrest. Now, seeing that, could we say that, yes, Sonko knows that he's not above the law and he was trying to do the right thing. But even in trying to do so, the government found a way to arrest him and added more charges to his file. What do you think of that? Um, so I think that as it's always been the case that Senegalese security forces tend to overreact and have a very heavy handed. We see that in daily interactions between the police and the people. There should have been a de-escalation. The police should have escorted Sonko, help him get to where he wanted to go. I can understand why the police wanted him to take a specific route to the Corniche, because probably they already had um, set up um, security perimeter to make sure that there won't be any violence and then traffic could continue to flow and then we'll get over this with. So from the state perspective, I do understand why they wanted him to take a specific route instead of going through Abenishek Hantajop, which is where the university is located, where potentially a lot of people were waiting for him and trying to escort mm -hmm. him there. But mm -hmm. when he refused to, to comply, the police should have de-escalated and let him go the route he wants to go and try to work with him to make sure that there wouldn't be any debordement, uh, quote unquote. I think there has been a tug of war between Sonko, his militants, the police, and that actually started right after the rape allegation. Uh, when he first came out about the rape allegation, what he said is that they're trying to uh, frame me and we're not going to allow this. And his supporters actually went to his house. You remember that in that first week, they had an altercation with the police at that time. And we were in the time of curfew and nevertheless, they still went out. So that was a breach of, of the curfew. And then a um, few weeks ago, he went to the University of Dakar to see a student. Remember that? During the curfew and then a big crowd came um, to, 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 to welcome him. And this is again during the time when big um, manifestations were 
actually forbidden in Senegal because of the pandemic. So there are all of these things that are happening. And I think that whether the police is trigger happy or not, he was the one that was supposed, if he really meant to go and then just respond to this summons, he could have just complied and then gone to that. Because if you have nothing to hide, really, you just go and then do what you need to be doing. To me, that's how I see it. That, oh, if you don't want to manipulate the young people or whatever, just take. And, and since Tosonko has always run on peace, truthfulness, and then he has these really young people behind him, I think he also has to think in that way, not to throw these young people under the bus too. So there are video evidence that showed that the route they wanted him to take was full of opponent waiting. And people alleged that they were going to pelt rocks and whatever at his car and all of that. So there were security issues. Now, what would the government gain or lose from Sonko going the normal route that he wanted to go? That's never been seen before. Maki Sala himself, when he was given a citation to appear in court a few years ago, he took the route he wanted. Nobody stopped him. His supporters accompanied him. Idris Asek, I believe in 2004, when he was summoned to appear in court, he took the route he wanted. He went through Marsha Sandaga, one of the most popular markets in Dakar. It took him several hours between point A to the courthouse, which is normally maybe 15-minute ride. Nobody bothered him. So why would they determine to make Sonko take their route? I, I think one of the challenges of discussing this case, the Sonko case, is that people's judgment is so blurred by their political allegiances that it's hard to get uh, reasoned um, discussion on this. Whether Sonko was running the risk of being attacked if he went through the route that the government wanted him to take or not. The, to me, Sonko as a Senegalese citizen, his safety and security is guaranteed and must be provided by the Senegalese state. And I don't think the government has any interest in having Sonko's personal safety being put at risk by having him take a specific route. I, I just would have a hard time believing that the reasoning of the government. Now, this is also a political battle. Sonko wanted to go through 
a route where his supporters will accompany him, would go with him. The government wanted to avoid that um, demonstration of force, wanted to avoid that, and then wanted him to take a different route. But in any case, I also think that question could have been settled the night before. The prefet of Dakar could have had an earlier discussion with Sonko about the logistics of him going, since he had said that night that he would be going the, uh, in the morning, they could have had this discussion about what route would make the most sense. And even if he wanted, he could have been provided um, a police escort to make sure to ensure his safety and everybody wins in this. But as Madam said, this is also a tug of war. And from the beginning, Sonko himself has politicized this dossier um, and the government also. But above this, above the question of the government versus Sonko, I prefer to see that the justice is beyond this tug of war. Yeah. And this was, uh, this is a question of justice to me. This is how I want to say it. Sonko is a citizen. Sonko wants to become president. Sonko has a legal case against him. We should make sure that we let the justice issue run its course as imperfect as our justice system is. Because if it collapses, we have nothing. We have no state. Sonko has said that he doesn't trust the police. He doesn't trust the gendarmerie. He doesn't trust the judges. He doesn't trust his fellow uh, members of the parliament. And he wants to be president and he would be overseeing these institutions. So as imperfect as the system is, he should submit himself to this. And then he can be making sure that everybody knows there are problems within the system and then he can propose solution. But you cannot just say, I don't trust this. I'm not gonna submit myself to this. And yet you aspire for us to have confidence in you and let you be the leader of these institutions. Not, not only that, yeah, thank you. Not only that, I mean, you cannot say that I'm only going to trust the justice when it, it's on, on my side. Because if he aspires to be the president and then we're going to go and vote, then if he wins, who's going to ratify the justice that he did not trust? So you cannot say that I only trust this justice when it's on my side. That's one thing. But I also think that um, there is an amalgamation of Senegalese justice to the executive that is happening. And I think, I don't know if you have seen um, uh, the article by Adiba and, 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 and Omar Ja that, that talks about that. I think it, it is something that also we should not lose sight of in this conversation. But at the same time, we have some justice in Senegal that we need to trust to be able to do its job. Not all our justices are corrupt. Not all of them are corrupt. And I think the Senegalese people 
are woke enough to see when the justice is being manipulated. But one has to answer to the justice for us to see that this justice is being manipulated. You cannot just say, I don't trust this justice, then I'm not gonna go. Because I think that when the rape allegation was communicated for the first place, he should have gone. Even though he has immunity, he should have just gone. We are here because of that. We are here because of that. And, and we have, this is about two citizens. Adisa is a citizen of Senegal who has the right to really um, say that she has been raped, right? We are, nobody has to say that, no, she, she shouldn't be. No, it doesn't matter whether the, the, the accused is Usman Sonko or President Macky Sall for that matter. She is a citizen, Usman Sonko is a citizen. They're both seen in the same light um, as far as the Senegalese constitution is, 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 is uh, concerned. Now, should we lose sight of the fact that historically Senegalese governments even prior to Maki, have instrumentalized the justice system to eliminate political opponents. And like you said, when the rape allegations were formulated, the presidential camp quickly rose up and said, this is a private matter. But then we saw things that, and you do not even have to be an expert to understand that some things were, were shady. The fact that they installed sophisticated uh, equipment that was used to listen to Sonko's communication. Now, if it, this is a private matter, why would the government go that far to wiretap him? Why would they go that far to put police officers close to his house? What do we do of that? Um, again, if I may, um, I'm by nature a very skeptical person. Um, and even more so um, on a lot of issues surrounding a lot of information coming out in uh, social media, but also in the Senegalese press, because again, I, I, I didn't see the images that you were referring to. Uh, but, but those in were case, in his, uh, sorry to, to interrupt, in his uh, press conference the day before he was arrested. I do not agree. And this is, something that has been said by both camps in this question again and again, that this is a private matter. I don't think this is a private matter. If someone borrows money from me and refuses to pay me, that's a private matter. But a violation of law, a crime or an alleged crime is not a private matter. This is something that deals with the Republic of Senegal. This is why the Procureur de la République is the one who represents the Republic us into this question. So at this point, even if Ajisar was to withdraw the complaint, even if she would refuse to cooperate with the prosecutor, the investigation would still carry on. Because again, the, this is an alleged crime that is committed against the Republic, means against all of us, and we are represented and this is me speaking in a general sense, we are represented by the Procureur de la Republic. So this is no longer an issue between Sonko and Ajisar. Um, the, the other question is, again, there is obviously two political camps here and each one trying to uh, maximize, I don't know, see whatever they can gain out of this um, tug of war. But beyond the two, I want to focus on the state. I want to focus on the institutions and I want to focus on the process. 
there is a history of Senegalese government instrumentalizing justice, going after political opposition. It is true. But also, I'm not willing to say that political opposition, each one who has been investigated or put in jail, that's been uh, um, because of oppression, that's been because of abuse of power. I don't, I don't agree with that statement. I do sincerely believe that Karim Watt deserved to be in jail. And I do believe that he still deserves to be in jail because he owes us money that he hasn't paid. That's what the court says. I believe that Khalifa Sal was found guilty of mismanagement of funds and Khalifa Sal himself never denied that. His defense strategy was that this is what has been done by past administrations at the mayor's office. There were evidence, there were receipts that were presented. So again, whether they are political opposition or not doesn't matter to me. As a Senegalese citizen, if there is a sense of accountability for people who misuse public funds, I applaud. And my hope is that in five years, if Sonko was to be president, that he investigates Maki Salin, Aliou Salin, everybody who is in power right now, at that point, they wouldn't be in political position. And I would also support potential President Sonko going after the current leadership for accountability. And I wouldn't just say, oh, this is them abusing power or instrumentalizing justice. I think we have to have a culture of accountability and accountability applies to those who are in the opposition or those who are now the leaders and will in the future be opposition. And if we really care about corruption, if we care about accountability, this should be our stance. Madam? Yeah, I, I did not see also the footage that you're talking about. And I myself also have been very skeptical about some of the images that I see because there's a lot of montage that is happening in Senegal. So many things are happening where people just create this kind of uh, media in order to advance their own interests. That being said, I have no doubt that the state, um, the government is going to jump on this to be able to uh, have Sonko be seen on a different light. But at the same time, Usman Sonko cannot be, something involving Usman Sonko cannot be a private matter because he aspires to the highest of our function in Senegal. So he owes to the Senegalese um, people to be as um, ethical as can be. We don't want a president who's a rapist. We don't. So this needs to be investigated for the sake of that office, but also for the sake of Senegalese, but at the same time, for the sake of all the victims of rape. I think that needs to be emphasized. The fact that it is in the best interest of Senegal for this to be investigated, for justice to take its course, because people have worked so hard for women's rights, and especially when it comes to rape. The victims of rape are not going to talk after what has happened to Adisa at all. So I think it's really important that we let justice do its course, and then this be investigated. If Adisa is found guilty of being manipulated and accused him wrongly, then justice is going to also be applied here. What do you think of the reaction of the people? For the first time, I think, in Senegalese history, a person 
accused of something and their subsequent arrests have created a major civil unrest. And people uh, have even said that what is currently happening is way beyond the events of um, June 23rd, 2011. Um, I think that um, this has a lot to do with the fact that Makisal, after the youth really fought to get rid of Abdullahiwad and he came on all those promises, he did not deliver on those promises. And then finally, Usman Sonko came and became somebody that the youth can identify with, whose rhetoric they could actually hear. And they look forward to getting rid of Makisal to the point that they don't trust Makisal's government at all, including the justice that they feel is associated with Makisal's um, government. So for this to be this big, I think it has a lot to do with um, the history of the Senegalese youth and how they are so desperate in employment. We have the issue of illegal immigration, the illegal immigration, lots of uh, young people boarding boats and dying in the process. We have the pandemic that actually has fragilized really the economy and the, the families and, and, and everything, every, every structure in the country. And people are literally desperate, so to say. If you look at, for example, the looting that is happening alongside this, people are looting to eat on top of, of, of looting French businesses, which is another issue. Um, I think that uh, this juncture is very important because the youth is tired of empty promises. And they are not going to let the person that they believe is going to give them hope being eliminated like they believe others have been eliminated. Uh, yes, uh -huh. I agree. Um, as as Madam said, um, the current protests, of course, go beyond just the issue of Sonko and uh, the allegations against him. Um, so far, there's been uh, anywhere between four and seven um, children who died and that's heartbreaking and um, no state should be killing its children um, and it's been the case that also usually during protests um, this repression tends to target children because these young men and women who died during these protests are typically around 14, 15, 16, 17 years old and um, that should not happen and uh, the the police and the security forces should uh, show a restraint and uh, we've seen also images this afternoon of uh, military tanks uh, moving towards the capital dakar and that's very worrying so there should be um, de-escalation but of course this also go going way beyond sonko it is the fact that and it is my hope that once we come out of these protests that the state rethinks its relation to, to the citizens. Because there is so much a disconnect between the elite, the political elite, and here that includes above the, um, the government, but also the opposition parties. One anecdote, um, a few days ago, Senegal received 200,000 doses of the vaccine, of the uh, uh, COVID vaccines uh, from China that they bought. And the way they have rolled out this vaccine is so obscene because you see the elite, you see the members of the parliament and their friends and celebrities getting vaccinated.
If you are Senegal, a regular Senegalese, and you see this, these vaccines being given only to the elites and their friends, what are you to think about the state? The state doesn't care about you. And then the state is abusive towards the citizens on a daily basis, like a great issue of violence. And I'm not just talking about police violence, the violence of the administration, violence of the bureaucracy. Walk into an office and you need a signature or you need a paper. There is so much violence. You cannot have the easiest thing done in the easiest way possible in this country, people are frustrated. When they see what is happening, they see unemployment, housing is a big issue, uh, education is a problem, health is a problem, then what are they to do, to do? There is an opportunity here for them, for the government, for the state, for the administration, for the elite to rethink their relation, uh, the relation between them and the people. And also a final point, we have a state that does not speak to the people, a state that doesn't talk to the people. C'est le mépris total. Yes. There is no communication between those who rule and those who are ruled. Michael should have said something three days ago, he never did. But even if there was no crisis, where is the forum where you can speak to your local mayor in this country? It doesn't exist. How can you get a hold of the member of Congress who represents you in Senegal? That does not exist. So these people who we are taking care of by feeding them and paying their salaries do not speak or talk to us. You cannot rule people like this. So it is my hope that if we come out of this, because I don't even know what's gonna happen in the next few days, but we need a state to rethink how it operates and how it communicates with people. Thank you, Omar, for talking about le mépris. Uh, I, I posted a couple of days ago that uh, the president really mépris the people to the point that he doesn't feel it feel that he needs to say anything when people are dying in the street, the, the street is on fire, and he sends his minister de l'intérieur who actually puts gasoline to, to everything. Um, but I, I also think that uh, we need to, again, rethink violence, not just in terms of physical violence, people burning things uh, and, 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 and looting. And from the perspective of a woman, I think Senegal has been violent for a long time. What we see in the streets is an escalation of the daily violence the Senegalese are living. Many of us saw the, the declaration of the Minister of the Interior, Antoine Jom, who went as far as calling the protesters terrorists. Those are his words, right? He called them terrorists. We saw, we saw also women's organization um, came out uh, calling for de-escalation and peaceful resolution of the crisis. 
religious leaders also came out and talked about a peaceful outcome to this crisis. However, Macky Sall, as you said, has not spoken to the people yet. We don't know what's going on in his mind. We don't know what he's going to do. And the government, the rhetoric of the government is not trying to appease the protesters. What is the solution? What do you think will be a potential way out of the crisis? I think there is at least three things that should be done immediately. One, the president should speak to the people. And by speak to the people, I don't mean just, you know, do a communication or a communique or whatever. I mean, stand in front of cameras and answer questions from journalists, from the people. That's the first thing. Second thing, he needs to dissolve the current government. Um, if we had prime minister, which we no longer have, which is one of the other things that don't make sense at all that this government has done, that he should dissolve this government and put together another one. The third thing is he needs to state clearly that he will not seek a third term because the constitution doesn't allow him to do that. So he should clarify that. So everybody knows that Makisal is currently completing his last term that he would not seek the third one. Now, beyond that, regarding the Sonko issue, I think it would help for the prosecutor to come out and hold a press conference where he would also clarify what the process is and answer questions about the process. He, won't, he doesn't need to disclose any confidential information or about the investigation or anything, but it would help to clarify why we are where we are and why they're doing what they're doing and what is the legal basis that they're using to do that. I think also PASTEF as a party should come on the savoir raison garder one of the tragedies that we have in Senegal, and a lot of people had hoped that with PASTEF this would have been different because it's a new party, they're young, they do a lot of things differently, but what they have not done differently is Sonko is PASTEF, PASTEF is Sonko. That is a problem. PASTEF should clearly say that this party is bigger than Sonko. If needs be, Sonko can step aside until he resolves his political issues or legal matters and then come back. In the meantime, they should, for the moment, at least for a week or so, call off all protests. I think the message has been clear. The government, we hope, has heard the message. If they have not, in any case, there should be a moratorium on these protests for a week at least. So everybody calms down and the kids stop dying on the streets. After that, the government will have to take the measures that they need to take to reconcile this country and then to put in place a policy that will respond to the people's needs and expectations. I think um, on top of what Omar said about PASTEF, 
um, there is this cult of personality around Songkor that needs to be dissipated. If you look at social media, nobody can say anything that is even saying that Adisa is a citizen of the, the country without the Songkor um, followers really uh, killing you on, 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 on social media. So they are really ferocious in that way. And I think uh, Usman Songkor owes it to, the, to, to them and the youth to come out and say, they should let justice do its course and then they should actually stay home. That's one thing. Second, I think that Maki Sal should come out not as an opponent to Sonko or as anything, but the president of all Senegalese. He owes it to the Senegalese to come out and then say something. He's the first to go to France and say, you see Charlie, I'm everything. But when the Senegal, Senegalese are actually killing each other in the street, he is mute, literally mute. We don't hear anything from him. And I think that shows really disdain again toward the people and shows that maybe he feels that he is above the people. That's how it comes across as. And also, um, I don't think that the police should be shooting uh, at the people with, with real bullets and killing them. That, that is unthinkable. That is unthinkable. These young people have only, um, what is it called? rocks right so you shoot at them with real bullets who's ordering these things all the more a reason for him to come out and talk to the people he is not above the people the people elected him he is not above the people and usman sonko also is not above the people he needs to answer to these allegations and tell his supporters to wait for justice to take its course in the meantime we also have to reiterate that Rape is a very serious allegation that needs to be taken seriously and investigated so that every victim in the future can have the courage to come and speak. One of the things that's been happening during uh, this, this unrest is, of course, the attack of French businesses. We've seen that, I think at this point, the majority of the Ocean, which is a French retailer, Uh, have been attacked, burned, or looted. We've also seen attack of uh, Total gas stations and also the attack of uh, Orange, the phone company, which are all uh, French-owned businesses or co-owned businesses. What message are protesters sending by attacking these French companies? I, I think this is just a culmination of a very um, loud anti-French rhetoric that has taken root over the past few years um, and some movements that are explicitly speaking against um, the French involvement in uh, Senegal's economy and the, the French companies. I tend to uh, disagree with um, that rhetoric. I mean, I do have a lot of grievances against the French and God knows that I you know, have my issues uh, in regards to friends. But at the same time, I do not really understand this anti-Ocean uh, rhetoric uh, in, in, in Senegal or Total. Um, because the way the economy works is, is not even that simple. Um, if you want to get rid of France, great. Um, I'm very sympathetic to that. But 
wanting to get rid of French companies who are present in Senegal or um, French uh, supermarkets who are often owned and operated by local citizens and where local Senegalese work in a country where we have high unemployment and the way globalization work right now, I don't think that makes much sense. That's, that's been my, my position. What we should pay more attention to if you really care about economic justice in Senegal is we should hold our state, our government accountable in how these, license, these licenses are given to all companies that invest, that come in are present in Senegal, not just the French one, all of them. What is Senegal gaining out of these contracts? Do these corporations pay the taxes they should be paying? Are they socially and fiscally responsible? These are the questions that we should be asking rather than just you know going uh, and burning down some ocean. It's been like 20 years that we are exploiting the gold in Sabodola. Where is that gold? What is the state gaining out of that? I mean, go to Faleme, go to Tambacunda and see, you couldn't believe that actually some gold has been exploited here. Same thing with, uh, with the gas or the mining industry in Senegal. So let's focus on what is our state doing? Are these corporations paying what, should they, what they should be paying? Is OSHA paying taxes in Senegal or not? If they are not, why not? These are the questions that I would rather be thinking of rather than saying, oh, we need to kick out the French. Well, let's start with the French military base, kick them out. They're useless for us, but OSHA does provide jobs. And if OSHA pays the taxes, then they should be in Senegal. I really don't have much to say to that other than um, it has been very difficult for Senegalese to even have any competition to OSHA because of how we make it so hard for them to set up their own businesses that can compete with OSHA. Um, I don't condone the, the looting of OSHA and then the, 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 the destroying of all these businesses. There are even Senegalese businesses that are also being destroyed in there. And then in every uh, kind of uprising like that, you have people who are there not to, to um, demonstrate or anything. They are there uh, to loot and, 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 and um, gain from it. So. So I think that really that's the reason why Usman Sonko, as well as Makisal, need to come out or need to communicate to their supporters because it's only Senegal that's going to lose and the Senegalese that are going to lose in an already very fragile economy where people have a hard time finding a job. If you see these people who are working at Ocean, they really don't have more than 100,000 francs uh, uh, par, par mois. And then now if they lose these jobs during this pandemic, it's going to be really a big chaos for many, many, many families. We've seen that several uh, TV stations, I think mainly two, Walfajiri and Sen TV, their signal had been cut because of the images of the riots that they were showing over and over. But I believe as of today, Sunday, I think Sen TV, Sen TV's signal has been restored. But we also saw that internet access uh, have been tempered with. I said earlier that access to social media platform was slowed down to a point that even Anonymous jumped into the conversation, <laughs> threatening 
Mikey Styles governor. I don't know. I don't know why. Now, isn't that one of the hallmarks of modern dictatorships? What do you think of that? Um, I guess people of my generation do remember uh, back in the day when we already we only had Radio Senegal, Le Soleil, and RTS. And then even in the early 90s, when you started having Wolf and Sudafem during the PS government that um, there used to be a lot of censorship of the media. Um, same thing happened during Watts regime too. Um, and then it's uh, sad to see that the same uh, thing continues under, under Makisal. I think Senegal has reached a point where now it should be inadmissible. It should be unthinkable to um, cut the signal of any radio station or to shut down any newspaper because of what they are, they are broadcasting. Um, we should have moved way beyond that stage now. Um, and for the same reason also, I do think it's uh, unacceptable to also have protesters attack journalists and uh, the press as well. We've seen also cases where um, even in the past a few days where some uh, media stations was attacked by uh, protesters as well. Um, we should, be in a country now where people like Aguimari Sanya or Asanjo should not be in jail. No one should be put in jail because of what they said or expressing their opinion or protesting. Um, this is not something that we should aspire to, to, to be doing. And I think we should uh, have been way past this, this stage in our democracy. I would say ditto. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I, I, I really don't have much to add to it other than the state of our democracy has regressed a lot, especially when it comes to freedom of speech. And now with social media, that has become literally the place where all those people who didn't have the voice or have access to radio or television are now coming to speak. The state is also trying to control that. So. What do you hope happens from now on? I hope Makisal comes out to speak to the people mm -hmm. and answer questions from journalists like Omar has suggested. I also hope that Usman Sonko sends a message to his supporters telling them that um, they need to let justice do its course. And I hope that the, issue, the allegations of rape are taken very seriously and investigated to its fullest. I totally agree with that. I have nothing to add. I just hope that um, the government 
is uh, listening and has heard the, the message loud and clear and um, that the opposition parties also um, do reason with uh, their supporters um, and uh, make sure that um, we all work together to strengthen our institutions that um, the cult of personality should no longer be how we operate and then that we give everyone the benefit of the doubt and also um, work together to strengthen our democracy that requires um, everyone's participation um, from the government and the administration but beyond all i hope that our state and this is not just the government the state um, from Dakar to the smallest village in Futa where I come from, that everybody who is at any stage where you have a public responsibility, that you know that you work for the people and you give to the people the respect and dignity that they deserve and that you do the best in your ability to serve the people who you should be working for. Ultimately, um, the reason why there's so much anger is people are fed up with the government that doesn't listen to them, that doesn't respect them, and that doesn't provide the most basic services that they should be providing to them. Now, these are the fun questions. Top three novels that you've ever read. We'll start with Omar. Oh, gosh, I, I don't know. Um, these days, I don't get to read uh, many novels, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay, the, 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 the ones I read, um, the, the last three I think I read, um, I did enjoy. One was um, Dust by, um, by this uh, Kenyan writer, Owar. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. I also read uh, two novels by uh, Leila Alami, I think, is it Leila Alami? Um, the Moors account, and the, the other one is uh, the other Americans, okay. uh, which both I I enjoyed. Awesome, Maram. You're asking novels. me. You're asking a professor of literature. Top I three know, novels. right? No, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> that is not fair. I'm going to just tell you what I read recently. Also, um, enjoyed, and I've actually reread it. That's all our names by Dinao Mengistu. And uh, I also enjoy, uh, one of my top novels though is Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. I love that novel. And uh, The River Between by Ngugi Wachongo also is a novel that I enjoy a lot and go back to Great it a one. lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would say, wow, I have so many novels that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like. So. So yeah. please don't, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I understand. Um, it's, it's putting you in the pickle as a literature professor. <laughs> so, yeah, all right, yeah. top three dishes. <laughs> Definitely supukanja for me, even though I haven't had supukanja in a long, 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 long time. What, well, they don't have gombo in Carolina? North Carolina? Uh, I just don't like <laughs> making it and, and eating it by myself. My kids Aww. don't really enjoy it that much. I also, as a true salam salam, I like cherek boom. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then bahalu salam. So. Of course, bahalu salam. <laughs> of course. That's one of one of my favorite dishes too. Omar, top three dishes. Um, for me, uh, cherek boom. We call it uh, lechire haku. 
Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so you, also, you 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 salon salon too, or people from Futa also? No, yeah, people from Futa also eat a <laughs> lot of cherry mum. Um, I do also like mafe and uh, supukanyo. Oh, mafe supukanyo. Okay, so those are classics. You guys just like the classics. The Senegalese well, classics. To me, mafe also because it's one of the easiest thing to make, and probably one of the thing I know how to make the best. So yeah. <laughs> All right, and then the last one, top three places you have not visited yet and would love to visit in the future. I would love to go to South Africa, Egypt, Egypt, and yeah, and Thailand. South Africa, Egypt, Thailand. Okay, Omar. Um, I'd love to go to uh, Les Îles de Salom. Never been there. Seen oh, nice pictures. It's beautiful. I've been there. <laughs> yes. Beautiful uh, uh, mangroves. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to. I would love to to go there. I would love to visit Senegal more. I've never been to Casamance. Uh, would love Casamance. to, Me to neither. go there uh, someday. Casamance. Uh, I would love to go to Brazil, but oh, not nice. while Bolsonaro is president. After he gets defeated. <laughs> well, what's your grief against Bolsonaro? Well, he's like a miniature <laughs> Trump. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for. Uh, being my guests on the Africanist, we really appreciate your uh, analysis of the current unrest in Senegal. And I, and as a Senegalese, I hope and pray that things come back to normal. It's in our interest, all of us as Senegalese, and to preach peace and to have a government that listens to its people. The people will always be the priority not political interests yeah. or uh, yeah. personal interests. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you to you thank guys, you. my listeners. This was The Africanist with our special guests, Dr. Omar Ba and Dr. Maram Gay. Rendezvous to another episode of The Africanist. So in the meantime, stay tuned and stay safe. Con jamu Africa, mon lañan. Mane jamu Africa, moy suñu natangé. Africa